From up in the nosebleeds to down to the 50-yard line, wherever you watch the game, this is the place to sound off. Sports Talk with Jock on 770 CHQR. Arena, Oxford's definition. A level area surrounded by seats for spectators in which sports and other events are held. Fancy, eh? This is The Arena with Dave McIver and Joe McFarland on 770-CHQR. Welcome to The Arena on 770-CHQR, Global News Radio. I'm sitting here with my co-host, Joe McFarland. Hello, Joe. What up? I'm Dave McIver. And uh, Joe, (laughs) I want to start off tonight, and I think it's going to lead really well into this episode, uh, talking about Johnny Manziel and uh, how social media kind of led to his rise, but then definitely led to his fall and how, you know, he really was the king of it. And then they were the king of him. And this all happened so what in like a year and a half. It's the trials and tribulations of being a young athlete with, in his case, too much money, but a young athlete still trying to navigate the waters of what's good and what's bad when it comes to life in the spotlight. And that now includes another aspect of the game that not a lot of, especially I think younger athletes are starting to figure it, figuring it out. The older one's not necessarily the case, but everybody's starting to learn what is appropriate and what's not on social media and what is good and what is bad for their respective brands. I think for the older athletes, Joe, they're not, uh, they're not as well off or, uh, they're not going to be as hurt by not using it because, you know, they're on their way out of the game. But for the younger athletes coming up, it's definitely something that they're going to have to evolve into their life if they're not already using it, which everyone already is, or they're going to have a problem with it. Look at Kevin Durant and the uh, burner accounts. It just mm-hmm. happened a couple weeks ago with Brian Colangelo, who is a, you know, a 55 to 60 year old GM in the league. So it's not just young guys, but I think as the older guys get older, they don't have to worry about it as much. They already have their brand, but for young guys coming up, trying to start a brand or, uh, you know, work their way and get people to know them who they are on social media. It's, it's really becoming a, not a big problem, but it's becoming a problem for organizations and teams around the, around the major sports as we say. Well, and I think that's the, the interesting realm that we get to deal with now. And, and this is why I think this conversation really goes, well with what we've been talking about in the past uh, a few shows when it comes to the burnout and the plan B and that kind of thing is you get so immersed in yourself right like whether it's to be the athlete that you think you need to be but you have to own that athlete that you want to be as well and it's not just your actions on and off the ice or on the ice it's off the ice as well and those actions now include not just going to the bar but also figuring out that somebody else has a an, an, uh, Twitter account or an Instagram account where they're going to post something. A Snapchat, Instagram. And that's exactly it. And then beyond that is what are you doing on your own brand? Because I think that's the conversation that a lot of people are having now is how are athletes making themselves more accessible to their fan base, right? Like you're going to be able to connect with, if you're wanting to connect with your favorite athlete, you now can do it. Like, I can't imagine, I grew up as a giant Theo Fleury fan. Like, I can't imagine growing up and going, hey, I could just tweet at Theo, right? Like, and he might, and he might tweet me back or he might like my tweet. And then that'll make my day for like a week, right? Like that, but that's the level. Yeah. Back in the day, my, what I used to do was uh, I'd send doubles of my hockey cards in the mail, hoping they would sign it because I didn't get to go to games very often. 
And even when we did, it wasn't like I was, I was one of those kids who was sitting around the entranceway hoping for an autograph. I was never that kid. And I got a few autographs back. I still have all of them, interestingly enough. But you have that access now, and it's unlimited. And there's so many different facets to it, whether it's the, hey, you get the great congratulations when you post that picture of you getting married like Rob Maver did over the winter, but then you get the other side of it as well. And how much do you actually want to um, guard yourself against the trolls and, and the key, keyboard warriors? Well, I think a, a major example of the other side of it is Evander Kane mm-hmm. and the money picture. You know, he puts a picture of himself in Vegas with money. Oh, man, big deal here. I understand it's against the, you know, the traditional hockey narrative and it, it made some people mad, but... You know, I don't mind that kind of stuff. I don't mind an athlete putting himself out on social media. I actually really like it, and I like the way things are trending now, especially in leagues like the NBA and the NFL and the CFL. The CFL does a great job mm-hmm. of having, you know, you know, Alex Singleton, for example, is on uh, on Twitter, and he's he's awesome. He's a, he's a great follow, and uh, you learn about the guy. You know, you learn about his story with his sister, and and uh, you learn about his family, and it's just it's a it's a great story. And and I don't think you find a lot of those things out without social media, and that's kind of the double edged sword. It is is you you enjoy all those aspects of it. You have all those great things. You hear all those cool stories. You get all the insights into your favorite players, your favorite athletes. But if they go the opposite way and do something with, let's say, the money picture that Evander Kane did and make people mad, you get that drawback and that pullback. And then, you know, that picture, in my opinion, almost ran Evander Kane out of Winnipeg. And it's interesting in the sense of, especially as a young athlete, having to kind of change your time management skills that way and being able to go, okay, today I got to tweet a picture or put something up on Instagram or what, you know, maybe I should send a snap out while also balancing the need of, oh, yeah, I should be studying a playbook, right? Or or staying within the lines of the organization and what they expect in a tweet or a snap or whatever the case may be. And how do you balance that? It becomes a really big part of how a lot of the conversation is about this branding aspect of it because I think a lot of these athletes are starting to realize that hey if I want my story told I can do it myself without having to go through the filter of a traditional newspaper article or a tv story or whatever the case may be and they're able to open up in ways that maybe they didn't feel comfortable doing before and which for good and for bad right is you know for the good is you can open up about to the point about Alex Singleton you can open up about your siblings you can open up about family on the flip side of that it opens the door up to the shenanigans and the things that are less desirable in the eyes of an organization that are trying to control the message to a certain extent right and even beyond that is you've got that exterior factor. You know, all you need to do is look at uh, the stampede threesome a few years ago and, and imagine if that had been an athlete, right? That, yeah. Yeah, imagine what happens, what happens all the time when you see somebody get that random picture of guy making out with someone who's not his wife, right? Well, and all of a sudden it's gone bonkers. To your point, like if Alexander Ovechkin was doing any of these things without the Stanley Cup, he'd be vilified. He's swimming around in the Washington fountain with uh, no Stanley Cup championship in the past few days. He's vilified. He's, what are you doing, Alex Ovechkin? But, of course, the, the Stanley Cup, you know, gives that excuse, and, and winning gives that excuse. But when you look at it from the other side and take away the Stanley Cup, 
you know, is that the only difference? Because he won, he gets to do that. And this guy doesn't get to do that. You know, they get to go and, you know, party all party their faces off. They're in the club. If you don't think they're doing it the rest of the year, probably not as hard, but if you don't think you're doing it the rest of the year, then you ha- you're not thinking right because NHLers, professional athletes are out in the bars all the time. Here's, I want, I want to, and this isn't where we expected the show to go, but I, I do want to, I, I want to ask you this question. What do you think of Ovi and, and the Capitals and the way that, not just the part, I, I, the partying side aside, the fact that how visible it is on social media, you're seeing it everywhere. Do you like it or do you not like it? I love it. I love it. I think it's awesome. It's uh, it's the these are the stories when I was growing up. I wanted to see. You want to see what they're doing with the Stanley Cup. You hear how awesome it is all the time, and it's just you hear you hear these little bits and pieces growing up of stories. And and I I'll take from personal experience in 1997 when the Detroit Red Wings won the Stanley Cup. My family got invited to Mike Vernon's Stanley Cup party, and just to see the few things that were going on there with you know certain different players and stuff like that like this is a party that these guys were mm-hmm. having and uh you know you don't get to see that or you didn't get to see that on the in the outside world um back then now you do and now you get to see you know Alexander Ovechkin in the hotel room sleeping with the cup now you get to see you know Jacob Verana had a few adult beverages at a restaurant, walking around, <laughs> doing selfies, telling his teammates how awesome they are, what his favorite thing about what they did all season was, or favorite attributes of his teammates mm-hmm. are. I love it. Does it have its downsides? Does it have its drawbacks? Of course it does, but everything does. I'm glad you answered. I figured that's the way that you would answer it. And the reason I ask is because I know looking at the comments and it's, oh, stop doing this. This is unsportsmanlike, that kind of thing. You're trying to pretend that it wasn't happening before. You know, you think, and to go back to the folklore thing, I mean, the the Stanley Cup ended up in the Rideau Canal, did it not? At one point, at the bottom of it. I'm pretty sure. And it's viewed as, oh, it's such a great story. Now we're actually documenting these stories. We get to see it in real time. And it's going, because it's the internet, it's there forever, which is a good and a bad thing, right? Like, it's a good thing in the sense of 100 years from now, we'll be able to go back into the Twitter archives and go, hey, remember that? I mean, look at how often that happens with, you know, presidencies and prime ministers and all that kind of stuff. We get to do that in in sports too. On the bad side of things is if you're not careful about it, you could live on in notoriety for a very long time. And I think that leads us perfectly into our show and what we're doing today with uh, Jean Lefebvre from the Calgary Stampeders and uh, Jeff Chanelth from the Calgary Hitmen, uh, kind of getting a look from both sides. You know, what is uh, you know a professional team like the Calgary Stampeders uh, doing, not monitoring their players, but what are they doing kind of in a an abundance around all of their social media? You know, how do they, uh, you know, guys get, check marks to be uh you know official twitter guys i don't even know what you call it is it uh, verified to get verified there you go uh what do they do uh, how often are they monitoring you know then you look uh, on the other side uh you know a general manager of the calgary hitman like jeff chanel he's dealing with kids as young as you know 14 getting drafted into the bantam draft to you know 21 and and we look into how much different it is between those guys in cfl their age and then how young these guys are there's a big difference between the 14-year-olds and the 24-year-olds, but there isn't. You know, it's it's dealing with the same thing, but in a different way. Well, and, and especially given with the WHL, and we picked on on these guys mainly because they are at the forefront of a development league. And so it, we want to really put the spotlight on those who, 
uh, might be 13, 14, 15 who are going, hey, how come I'm not getting drafted or how come I'm being overlooked? And yet I also spend all night on, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. A Fortnite would probably be a better example, Joe, but Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> uh, you know what? We were talking before the show and I, I said N64 for some reason. I'm old. I'm not that old, but apparently I've got an old soul. Man, oh, man. But that to that point is, you know, the, the development league and what you're doing as a youngster is could invariably impact what you're doing uh, later on in life. And so I think these two uh, conversations are going to be really eye-opening for uh, a lot of people who kind of want to know more about what goes into the planning and preparation for athletes as they develop their own social media brands. So when we come back on the arena on 770 CHQR, we're going to talk to Jean Lefebvre, find out what he's dealing with uh, as he kind of is the social media monitor for the Calgary Stampeders. He's going to give us an idea, I think, of you know what it's like to deal with uh, you know getting guys on Twitter, but also the Instagram side, what guys are putting forward, what they would like to not see put forward. <laughs> but uh, I'm Dave McIver. I'm Joe McFarland. We'll be back on 770 CHQR. You're listening to The Arena. You're listening to The Arena with Dave and Joe on 770 CHQR. I'm going to pose a question to everybody listening. Give it some thought. And I'm going to give Dave McIver a second to think about this. Who is your favorite Calgary Stampeder to follow on Twitter? It was Bo. But it's uh, ruined it, Bo. But it's uh, it's Alex Singleton now. Uh, I do I do like uh, the the spats that Charleston Hughes and Derek Dennis got in last year, and now that we got uh, Derek Dennis playing for the Stamps, I think it'll be something that uh, we might see again. We might not. Who knows? I think that's the beauty of Twitter: is you get to see whether it happens, and if it doesn't happen, it's behind closed doors. That. It kind of sucks nowadays, but uh, no, I, I would say my my go-to would be uh, Alex Singleton. What I love about Twitter in particular, and I think Instagram's getting there as well, is there's just that personality that you get to see that you don't necessarily get to see when you're seeing them on TV or you're re- hearing them on the radio is you're getting a little piece of them, They and it's, and it's instant, I don't want to call it gratification, but it's that instant gratification communication that you get with them and some of these guys are very good at talking back to their fans right and and getting back to them and also avoiding the detractors as well it's an interesting mix that has to be struck amongst those athletes is how much a how much is too much but b is what are you willing to put up with before you put up the old block or mute button saying you know what you're nothing but a troll or a keyboard warrior trolls every single time you know they just cannot be avoided no matter what you do it doesn't matter what you're on uh twitter instagram there's going to be somebody there who's going to try and bring you down or try and you know assault your game with an insult or whatever like that it's it's i'm sure every professional athlete deals with it and i think you know unfortunately amateur athletes who are let's say in major junior hockey or you know the world juniors um you see it you know know who i'm i i actually feel I, I'm glad I don't feel sorry for him. As I'm glad Twitter wasn't around when Mark Andre Fleury shot it off his own defenseman to lose the World Juniors. Oh yeah, because that's the kind of stuff. Could you imagine the vitriol you would see now on Twitter if that happened? And he's an 18 year old kid. That's the kind of stuff I don't like seeing. But you're right. That's the balance that these athletes have to find. 
And the interesting part is, is this is nothing new. Like it's only getting bigger, right? Like you look back, it was, I, I was doing a little bit of looking back. It was Henry Burris getting in trouble back in 2011 yeah, and it's for not, some tweets. Like that was seven years ago. Yeah, no, it's getting bigger. It's not going away. That's exactly it. And I think that's why a lot of, a lot of this discussion today is all about the athlete brand. And they're starting to realize that, Hey, it's more than just me communicating. It's, Hey, I got to stand up for who I am online just as much as I am in person. And to give us a little more insight on how they deal with things from a Calgary Stampeder standpoint is all media guy, Jean Lefebvre. And Jean, why don't you give us a little bit of a kind of a Coles Notes version of what you do and how you handle the social media side of the game of football with Calgary Stampeders? Well, it seems that this time of the year, once the roster is finalized and uh, some of the rookies get to look at some of the veterans' accounts. Uh, the first thing that happens is everybody wants their blue checks to be verified. So that's, that's <laughs> at the top of the list in terms of priorities. Do you actually have to be the one that puts the bug in the ear of Twitter and saying, hey, when does this happen? So what, what happens is the league actually does that on behalf of all the teams. They have sort of one point of contact for the entire league. So once the teams are made, the, uh, they submit, uh, the teams submit a list to the league. And the league kind of handles that kind of in one fell swoop. And then they just wait. And then eventually those blue things show up uh, and the players are very excited. So uh, that's, that's a big deal. But just in, in terms of the other, I mean, honestly, a lot of the guys, uh, I mean, I started working for the Stamps 10 years ago. And then Twitter was so new back then. We might have had a handful of players uh, that were on Twitter at the time. And now we have a handful full of players that aren't. Um, so, you know, it's obviously changed drastically. And, the guys have a lot of experience. I mean, they, they started in high school and college, and by the time they get to us, they've, they've had their accounts for a while. So basically all you do is you just kind of help them out and um, you know, provide some guidance and, and just be there for them because sometimes things come up that they need to deal with, and you just want to be as helpful as possible. What are some of those things that guys are dealing with, Jean? Like, uh, you know, are you guys helping out with uh, the odd troll from time to time or, or just kind of giving these guys guidelines on on what's maybe not the best thing to say and maybe a best way to, pr- to promote yourself. I mean, absolutely. It's an opportunity for them to push their brands and, and, and connect, connect with the fans. Uh, when obviously our schedules are our sides that the players are on the field a lot and traveling and whatnot. So they don't necessarily get a, an opportunity to interact with fans in person, but social media is the one way to do it. And, you know, I know a retweet from a player or just any kind of contact with a player, uh, on social media goes a long way with fans. So it, it could be a positive thing, and that, that's what we stress. I mean, obviously, we all know that there's horror stories out there about social media, but there's no sense on dwelling on that. I mean, you just have to realize that there are people out there that, that will hide behind, you know, uh, Twitter handles and, and a little egg icon instead of, uh, uh, you know, their real names, that kind of thing. So it's kind of a different world for them. The players are kind of just living behind their name and, um dealing with it on a very real level and they're dealing with people that we don't know what their story is so you just need to remind them of that and that they're kind of held to a different standard than just anybody else who can open up a twitter account but you know that negative portion exists for sure but we just hey you know this is a positive thing it's a way to to promote yourself and the team it's also a way to uh, kind of show off the personal side of things for them as well. I know Rob Maver in particular on Instagram was showing off pictures of his wedding from over the, the winter as well. So it really gives that personal touch for a lot of guys as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. And there's, there's guys that have great senses. You remember Dan Federkow was a guy who was with us for, for a number of years and 
may have done five interviews the whole time he was here. Uh, so you know, I don't think necessarily media was exposed to the great sense of humor that he had, but anybody who followed his social media account would see his, his wisecracks, and he just had a really, really good sense of humor that, like I said, I don't think in the pre-social media age anybody would have been aware of between the fact that he plays a position that kind of flies under the radar and wasn't a guy that was really high demand as far as, as doing interviews sort of thing. So uh, you're right, it shows their personal side. It also shows kind of their, their personalities as well. Do you ever have to, you know, go to a guy and say, hey, look, scale things back a little bit, or maybe this was a little bit, you know, off the cuff and a little offside, not uh, the Stampeder, you know, brand or, or anything like that? Yeah, you know, it, considering how many guys we have on social media and how active they can be, there's maybe once or twice uh, per year that you have to reach out to them and just remind them that, uh, you know, what they're doing is maybe just to give it some thought and and honestly the players on their own because we all know it's so immediate that given half a second to think about it they they wouldn't necessarily engage or 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 say something that they they might have said in the heat of the moment sort of thing so um you know I I try not to be um the person who says you know don't do this it's like hey are you sure you want to do this maybe give it some thought or whatever and more often not on their own they've they've already had second thoughts about it and they don't need any convincing to to stop that conversation with a fan or, or somebody who's trying to bait them into something that uh, that they shouldn't be dragged into. So uh, it's really, for the most part, been uh, but a pretty seamless and, and effortless uh, job on my part. When it comes to the, the social media, obviously you guys got to kind of keep tabs on all the different things that are going on. How difficult or is it difficult at all to sort of pry it away from them in a sense because they want to be that interactive but at the same time they still have a job to do at the end of the day you know what i mean the guys are pros about it i mean there's, there's restrictions like obviously they can't uh, they can't do being involved in social media uh, at halftime and it has happened with other teams or other levels where the guy gets in the locker room at halftime reaches for his phone and tweets something or whatever which seems like a bad idea on multiple levels sort of thing but and that's not anything that we've ever dealt with. They know that, you know, come game time, that's what their focus is on, and they can get back on social media afterwards uh, and deal with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly, I mean, Bo checked himself. I mean, that was something he made decided that uh, was taking too much time away from, from his football, and he had a, has a young family now. So that's what he wanted to focus on. He just decided to ditch uh, Twitter altogether, even though, he has lots of things, lots of causes that he's involved with that he could, uh, you know, positively uh, promote through social media. But he just decided that on the balance, it was a thing that he needed to stay away from. And I certainly applaud him for the courage of making that decision and sticking to it. And Jean, you, uh, you know, my favorite uh, part of Twitter with uh, especially CFL guys is when we get player to player action, uh, specifically last year, Charleston Hughes and Derek Dennis. It might be uh, a little swap this year with both guys uh, swapping teams. But is that something that, that the league's encouraging? And, uh, you know, as long as it doesn't get offside on uh, on the Twitter or, or like anything like that, that, you know, they're embracing that these uh, these athletes are going to go at least toe to toe with 180 characters. Yeah, I mean, I think if it's done in a certain way, there's no doubt that it just it just builds up the the excitement for a matchup. And um, you know, I have the benefit of kind of knowing both guys, so I kind of both know where they're coming from and how seriously or not seriously uh, <laughs> the exchanges are happening. So I just hope that's not lost on the fans if that you know they don't necessarily have the opportunity to meet those guys and know how they joke around and, and that kind of thing. So uh, as long as everybody knows that, uh, hey, don't don't take it too much at face value. These guys give each other a hard time and this is just a little bit more public than 
than doing it in other formats by text message or by, you know, some other means or whatever. Uh, as long as, you know, they, they know that, hey, um, these guys are buddies and then they know each other very well and they're just having a little fun with each other. From your vantage point, uh, having been uh, part of the, the Stampeders for over a decade now, and you mentioned how much things have sort of changed, how difficult has it made your job? Or has it made it any more difficult? I mean, again, uh, I think with the group that we've had, I mean, there's, of course, there's, there's incidents that happen and, and things that you have to address. But for the most part, it, it's been positive. And I think, I think the guys just realize that there, there's a balance there that they have to strike in terms of, um, yeah, absolutely, you want to be active on social media, but you can't let it consume you and, um, so, I mean, yeah, there's lots to monitor and there's, there's so many, like there's, there's Instagram and there's Facebook and, you know, Snapchat was big for a while. And, and, you know, so there's just, there's so many different platforms and, and so many different players involved that, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's something you want to keep an eye on. But like I say, for the most part, I think it's been, it's been a positive experience. Sean Lefebvre of the Calgary Stampeders joining us to talk a little social media and the Stampeders on this uh, opening weekend of CFL football. Jean, thank you so much for the time. Do appreciate it. And all the best this coming season. Much appreciated. The Arena with Dave and Joe. We'll be right back. This is the Arena with Dave and Joe. And not just any old ordinary Dave or Joe, but Dave McIver and Joe McFarland. On 770 CHQR. Impressive. I don't know about you, Dave, but I never, believe it or not, given my answers already, I didn't really get into video games. I I mean, I played, I think on the computer I had NHL 95 and 96, and then I think I got back into it for 2004, which was the Jerome McGinley edition. I think you're thinking of... Or 02. I think you're thinking of 02. Oh, Wow, that just dated me you know even what? older than you usual. Know what? Let's Google go it. check the go check the Google. But I I didn't play World of Warcraft. I I never have played any of the fantasy games at all. Like even even the old school Nintendo, I was more of a sports guy. Like I had ice hockey and Blades of Steel. I had RBI Baseball three. Baseball Stars was kind of fun because you got to create teams. Uh, and you, every win you got, you made money and then you could increase their power and and that kind of thing. But I wasn't addicted by any stretch. And I found it interesting that it's come out and there's been a lot of discussion lately about how involved players are with video games. And there's one player in particular who has been not been named yet and how the addictions getting in the way of them actually being a pro athlete. Yeah, I think a big thing for us, Joe, growing up and us being in similar in age range is they're just not good enough to sit around and play all day. You got bored and you had friends who were outside playing street hockey or ball hockey or, you know, uh, pick up baseball or whatever. You just, you were, the games were good enough to stay inside. Well, I guess you don't, you, ne- you didn't have that internet connectivity either, right? Like you're not yeah, playing not, somebody from, you know, across the world or anything either, not to interrupt. But. No, it's, uh, it's, you're right. And it's, it's just evolved so much that it, it can be, it can eat up so much time. You just lose track of time. I'll be honest, when I was older and like an older and playing junior hockey, it was a way we killed a lot of our time. But as a young kid, I just don't, I don't remember doing it so much. And maybe that was a, of a benefit because, you know, as much as we did play video games and we were on the computer and, you know, on Twitter and stuff when I was playing junior hockey, it was it was still almost tempered a little bit because 
there was still that, I guess, that part of me I had when I grew up that it was, hey, let's go outside. Let's go do something. This is getting boring. Mm-hmm. And just so that to close the loop on the question, the Iggy was actually 2002, yeah. as you've Googled, right? I've Googled. I, I know my covers, Joe. I know my covers, pal. Man, oh, man. So who was 04 then? Uh, Marcus Nasland. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, no, that... no, it was Heatley. It was Heatley, and then uh, the accident happened with Dan Snyder, so they pulled him off and put on Joe Sackick. Uh, huh. Well, there goes my my inferior knowledge of video games, at least NHL wise. So <laughs> literally, it's the only game I ever played. Uh, really, growing up was NHL. I had all of them. So uh, that's <laughs> was Wayne Gretzky's breakaway the N sixty four game. Uh, Wayne Gretzky's All Stars. Yes, right. N sixty four. It wasn't. People breakaway. are not going to believe that I didn't play video games all the time growing <laughs> up because I know all of them. But no, I only know. But you know all the hockey ones, that, and that's and it. The only ones I played. I and, didn't and play Metroid. Bad. I didn't. I bare. I will admit I played Super Mario like one. Two we never had. Three, man, this is getting so far away from a sports show all of a sudden, <laughs> isn't it? But it it does segue into that into that question about how younger kids are dealing with addictions and dealing with not just your normal run of the mill, you know, things. Now you're dealing with they're on social media, but also beyond that is they now have a global community that they can call their own in playing video games. It's it's an incredible change of pace, but it's something that is becoming more and more prevalent. And people are, I mean, you mentioned the story about David Price. Yeah, David Price. Uh, what is it, two or three weeks ago, Carpal Tunnel couldn't start playing too much Fortnite in the dressing room. It's a $20 million uh, athlete uh, <laughs> just this season, by the way. Yeah. And uh, it's... It, it's every level, but I think what we're going to look at when we talk to uh, Jeff Chanelth, the GM of the Calgary Hitmen here, is find out what they're dealing with with the younger guys, the younger generations, the the 13 to 21-year-olds who are, you know, really immersed in this uh, this lifestyle. It's been a part of their lives since they were born. They've had video games that play online since they were born. They've had uh, cell phones since they were 10, 11, 12 years old, probably younger than that in some cases. So it's going to be, I think, really interesting to find out, you know, how you know, teams like the Calgary Hitmen, but I'm sure teams in all sorts of leagues are looking at these different types of things, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, video games, uh, all these different things, how they're looking at it when they're recruiting these players. So without further ado, Jeff Chanouth of the Calgary Hitmen, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. So I, I, the first question I want to find out is from a GM's perspective and somebody who's been around the game as long as you have, the game has certainly changed off the ice for you guys, and in particular, the way that you're looking at your players and the way that they spend their off time. And I'm wondering, A, how much has it changed for you? And B, what's it like from a GM's perspective to have to kind of watch over and make sure that uh, they're doing all the right things when it comes to the social media and, and being online and their time uh, on their screens? Well, it's so prominent today. I mean, when I started in the Western Hockey League in the mid-80s, I mean, there was no cell phones, let alone Twitter and anything, you know, involved with social media. So I think that's a big thing as as we go along. We have to evolve with the game, both on and off the ice. And I think the kids nowadays, I mean, you know, that's their means of communication is that social media. And I mean, you know, we talked about it as a league many times over the last number of years of monitoring your players and watching what they do. And uh, we've all had instances where, you know, we've had to come down on a player for, you know, what are you doing tweeting out at uh, 1230 at night? You should be in bed and getting ready for school the next day or, you know, or, or using, you know, offensive terms 
on, on, on social media. Like we've all had these things over time. And I mean, you know, you, you really have to monitor them. Uh, I don't think any of us have a full-time person that monitors, but we have enough that uh, we know what goes on. Do you have to monitor too on the guys, you know, you're looking to bring into your organization, Jeff, like, you know, are you looking at, the Bantam, let's take, for example, 14-year-old kids are getting drafted in the Bantam draft. Are you looking at, you know, their Twitter, their, you know, their background, their social media when you're deciding whether to draft them or not? Well, I think any bit of information you can find out on these young players is important. So, you know, we do a little bit of checking. I don't want to say we check all their, you know, all their profiles and all the things they have, but we do follow that stuff you know, to a point. I mean, uh, we have some members of our scouting staff. They're very versed in the social media department, which I am not. I'm not afraid to tell you that. But I mean that they do. You know, they they they'll follow it and uh, you know they'll give you a heads up. But I always think it goes, comes back: the more information you can know about these players, the better you off better off you're going to be because these are 14, 15 year old young boys. And I mean, boy oh boy, I mean it's uh, it's a tough enough draft already. And uh, you know, I mean, uh, you're predicting see if they're going to be hockey players. So you want to give yourself every advantage to try to have that success down the road as an, you mentioned earlier about the league kind of getting involved and in having these discussions about how to handle social media and that kind of thing i'm wondering what that conversation is like from not just the league perspective but also from a team perspective do you guys have those conversations with the players in meetings to say here's what's acceptable here's what's not acceptable and try to teach them because you guys know at the end of the day that you're your development league you're also looking to develop their personalities because that's something that's going to be expected of them when they go to the next step. No question about it. I mean, we do as, you know, we as a league, you know, we send out, you know, they don't give us guidelines of what's acceptable or not, but they'll give us guidelines that, you know, make sure your players are aware of this because if you do this, this could happen. So then as an organization, and each organization is different depending where you are, you know, in the Western Hockey League, some people have, you know, more media than other, other, other WHL centers. So you deal with them, maybe you bring in a media member, you go through some stuff, maybe you bring in a public relations person from a university or a college you know to go over the the things that are are so prominent in today's world so i think we're always being proactive and it's not just on the ice but definitely off the ice i'm wondering as well um not just the social media side but also managing their off ice time and screen time in particular is that an issue that's kind of creeping in we we hear that from an educational standpoint where kids are going to school and they got their phones with them or they got their iPads with them or they got their you know they they can now play their games on their phones that kind of thing are you starting to to dive into that is our teams aware that you know you have to kind of rail some of that stuff in and make sure that there it's not sort of taking over some of the things that they are responsible when it comes to the actual hockey game itself? Unfortunately, it's very prominent. Uh, we deal with our billets, uh, local families, our education advisor. Obviously, this is just finishing my first year here in Calgary, but I know that they've had issues in the past, and as did we in, in, in Cranbrook with the Kootenai Ice, where you know they're, they're spending too much time on playing games and uh, you know they're more worried about what's the wi-fi coverage and then maybe their studies and you know geez you got to get a booster to get that a little stronger so we can get some you know faster games or faster speeds all the things and so you know it, it does affect that it because i mean it does it's not just schooling 
I mean, it's, you know, it's your time. I mean, it's time away from the rink. And I mean, you know, you could be doing more productive things. I'm not against gaming, but I'm against gaming 24 seven. And sometimes it becomes a bit of a problem. And I mean, you know, there's more, you know, we want, we'd like to have interaction between our teammates. That's, you know, if they're playing, you know, all those games nowadays online and, you know, playing the games on Xbox and stuff, that's perfect. That's great. But I mean, too much, too much isn't, isn't not that is not good either. And I mean, it's a fine line that, uh, you know, we as an organization, if we, if we have a problem with, uh, you know, Billet family comes to our education advisor, we deal with it, uh, deal with it quickly. Do you see a difference? You know, since you have, you have such a wide variety of you know ages with guys you're dealing with, do you see a difference? You know, the 20 year olds, they, are they growing out of it? You know, at least the video game aspect and, and maybe it's the younger guys coming in who are, you know, have been playing so much as they grow up or are you seeing at least a little bit of a change as the guys get older? No, actually, I'm not. I think it's just as common with the 20 year olds as it is with the 16 year olds. I think that uh, you know, if you go look through probably any NHL dressing room and any players' lounge, I'll bet you they have you know the Xbox and the games there that uh, you know and that kill some time. Well, they well whether it be after practice or not, and I don't know that for sure. I haven't been in a lot of NHL dressing rooms, but I know I know they're in most teams, and uh, you know, and I I think that uh, you know I don't think you can just say it's you know it's a 15 to 17 thing. I think it's uh, young people today and uh you know they uh that's you know it's a big business and people enjoy playing those games does that create a little bit of a challenge for you jeff in terms of the the recruitment and and even the billeting side because you do have that mix of uh players who are coming from out of town who uh, are going to be billeted out but you've also got those kids who are in town who either they live here and have lived here and it's their parents who might be trying to buffer their kid from that uh from the backlash i guess of of being told hey get off the video games or get off the cell phone or get off twitter whatever the case may be does that present a little bit of a challenge in and of itself Yes and no. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, you, you you deal with it like you raise your own kids. I mean, and and I mean, if the billet if the billet is fine, you know, we usually don't hear about it. But if there's something, if it's you know, you hear screaming late at night after playing games or whatever they're doing, and it's twelve thirty, and they've got younger kids, and everyone's supposed to be up for school or work the next morning, then it becomes a bit of a problem, and you and you deal with it. But I mean, I can tell you, which is a little bit off here. I mean, we had a player in Kootenay twice. We had to take his Xbox away twice. Twice. Wow. And we took it away because his marks in school were, you know, suffering. And we took him away until the first semester was open the whole month of January. And, uh, you know, and I mean, I had a parent thank me for that. And then I thought to myself, why aren't you dealing with that? Why are we dealing with that? That's a good point. So, I mean, like each situation is different. But I mean, from our end, I mean, you know, we our players are going into other people's homes. And we want to respect the rules that they have in their home already. Just because their hockey player doesn't come in doesn't mean they can come in and change everything. So saying that, what would what would your advice be to, you know, let's say a, a young aspiring 13 or 14-year-old who's, who's trying to get drafted into the Bantam draft, but also for, uh, you know, guys who are playing in the WHL right now or major junior or junior hockey anywhere? Well, I'd always say time management. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on. I mean, they're young people. There's lots going on in their lives. They have a social life, They, you know, and they've got to, you know, they all have this idea they want to play in the NHL and be the next Connor McDavid, and that's great. But realistically, that's going to happen to very few people. So, you know, I mean, time management, how you do things. I mean, schooling is, to me, is still the most important thing. Hockey, for most people, is a phase. 
you know, you might play four or five years in the Western Hockey League, and if you don't go on to pro, you've earned five years of scholarship at a Canadian university, college, or trade school. To me, you know, we've got over 50% of our graduates now on an activation rate, so more and more kids are taking advantage of that scholarship. So, you know, you know, I think you take advantage of everything you're given, and again, you know, not everyone's going to be a superstar, but I mean, the life lessons you learn in junior are going to be lessons down that you will keep for the rest of your lives. Jeff, somehow you managed to sum up our last two episodes all in one answer. That was fantastic. Uh, I know it's been a busy time for you. You guys have uh, planning going on around the league, getting schedules ready to go. You're trying to get your rosters together. You're just fresh off of a, a bantam draft as well. It's not a quiet time for you by any stretch of the imagination, even though it is June. Uh, so we appreciate the time today. Thank you so much for joining us here on the arena. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. We will be back to wrap up this discussion here on the arena on 770 CHQR and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. I am Joe McFarland. I'm Dave McIver. Chat with you in a little bit. Here's Dave McIver and Joe McFarland, and you're listening to the arena with, you guessed it, Dave and Joe on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to the arena on 770CHQR, also where you find all your favorite podcasts. Uh, just wrapping up here with uh, my co-host Joe McFarland, and t- two big takeaways for me, Joe. One, the Xbox story where, uh, you know, the uh, Jeff had to go, go to a point of getting an Xbox taken away from one of his players. And just, you know, that's kind of where the balance needs to be found. And you heard it in Jeff's voice, and I think you heard it in Jean's too, is mm-hmm. in finding that balance and that time management and, and what, you, what you need to prioritize during the day. And the other one that I really took away from was right off the bat with Jean how seriously the guys take the blue check mark. (laughs) I'm not overly surprised by that because having been involved in hockey circles, players take plus minus super seriously. Like if you think it's a useless stat, ask any player how important, especially junior hockey players, they watch that because they know that that minus one might be the difference between getting drafted and not, or at least that's what they think it is anyway. So it's in, it's been an interesting discussion and, and this is again, I think the evolution of sports is what's coming to fruition here is you're starting to see the image of an athlete change dramatically, not necessarily in terms of what they look like, but how they, how they manage themselves and their reputation and their own image within their own community. Yeah. And also how they, uh, you know, are dealing with, uh, you know, the challenges of social media coming at them and, and not just social media, but video games as well. And it, it's just, I hate to harp her back to it. It's just all about that time management, right? And it, just for the younger guys, I mean, when I'm talking, you know, time management for the younger guys, most of the guys who are playing professionally. Uh, mm-hmm. They already have that down. And, and you heard that John's not so much dealing with that as he's dealing with, you know, the odd time, you know, somebody, you know, gets into a, a, a spat with a troll or, or I like the fact that, you know, there is interaction between, you know, two different athletes on uh, two different teams, you know, they get into it. So, mm-hmm. so Great to wrap things up. Just to give everybody a little bit of a heads up, uh, on one front in particular, if you're listening to this via podcast, we're going to be changing things up a little bit. We're getting the wheels in motion to have our own iTunes slash uh, a Google Play slash TuneIn account so you can you can actually sit in and subscribe to us. So we'll get that set up hopefully the next couple of weeks. We'll give you the heads up. All you got to do to get all the updates on that, follow us on Twitter at the Arena YYC. While you're at it, take a listen to some of the other podcasts that we have here on the station, whether it be Sports Talk, whether it's Danielle Smith, whatever floats your boat in terms of the content that you love listening to, 
stop by, download, and don't forget to rate and don't forget to comment because those are really important in the grand scheme of uh, podcasting and in the grand scheme of listening via your mobile device because that gives us a little bit more exposure that way. And I think we also want to say thanks. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had some good response. We've had a lot of uh, chatter with some people, and, and we just want to say thanks for listening to The Arena. It's a new show. Uh, we're going to keep it going. It's gonna We're going to have lots more content. So thank you for listening. And once again, if you have some comments, you know, if you want to rate us, please do. Uh, also, hit us on Twitter. Like Joe said, Arena YYC. We, uh, we, we love the comments we're getting, and, and thank you again for listening. And I think as well, we're going to be continuing this discussion about athlete branding. I mean, it's not going to go away anytime soon. We've got a ton of other ideas that are popping by us. And by all means, if you've got a story idea, if you've got a sport maybe in Calgary that you think needs to get a little bit of love, I know, Dave, earlier in the week you talked to the, a couple of the ladies from the Calgary Rage uh, who are gunning for a national, is it a national championship? A Western, Western Canada a championship? Western Canadian Football League champion, a women's Western Canadian Football League championship. So. And they are a perennial powerhouse, the yeah. Calgary Rage. So if you do get a chance, go out and support the ladies. They play one heck of a brand of football so if you've got ideas like that that you'd love us to expand upon by all means let us know again at the arena yyc is the place to go that does it for another edition of the arena here on 770 chqr i am joe mcfarland i am dave mciver and we'll see you in a couple of weeks